Attention ASRM Today listeners, are you ready for the event of the year? Register now for the ASRM 2023 Scientific Congress and Expo, the premier conference for reproductive medicine happening in New Orleans, Louisiana, October the 14th through the 18th. Get ready to immerse yourself in cutting-edge scientific sessions, engaging workshops, and once-a-year networking opportunities. Discover the latest breakthrough in reproductive science, exchange ideas with industry leaders, and expand your clinical knowledge. With over 200 expert speakers and hundreds of exhibitors showcasing the latest advancements in reproductive technology, this is the event you cannot afford to miss. Mark your calendar and register now for ASRM 2023 New Orleans by visiting www.asrmcongress.org. On with the show. Policy matters. Policy matters. Policy matters. Policy matters. I'm Jeffrey Hayes. On today's episode, I am joined by Joyce Reinecke, Executive Director of the Alliance for Fertility Preservation. Prior to joining AFP, Joyce was a cancer and fertility advisor for the Livestrong Foundation, and before that, she served as Vice President of Programs for Fertile Hope. Joyce is a longtime survivor of leiomyosarcoma, who opted for embryo freezing and surrogacy to create her family. Earlier in her career, Joyce was a trademark attorney in Seattle, Washington. She joins us today from California, where she currently lives with her husband and daughters. Joyce, welcome to Policy Matters. Thank you so much for having me. Fantastic. Well, let's see. So if you don't mind, uh, if you would, for our audience, please share a bit about your personal and professional experience advocating for those facing infertility. Sure. As you said, I am a long-term survivor of a rare cancer called leiomyosarcoma. And sarcoma just means a, a cancer of the connective tissues. So like bones or, or muscle cells, things like that. And so that is really what thrust me into this world of fertility and fertility preservation more specifically. So when I was diagnosed, which was over 20 years ago, you know, I was informed and I feel lucky to have been informed that the treatment plan for me, which included some aggressive chemotherapy had carried with it, you know, the chance of becoming infertile. And honestly, it was very surprising to me in the midst of, of all of that, of coming out of surgery, understanding, you know, what that meant for my future or could mean. And um, my husband and I scrambled and we ended up going to a fertility center in New York and we were able to freeze embryos. And as a result, later moved forward with a surrogate, as you said, and had twin daughters. So I feel very grateful for having gotten timely information, which wasn't really the standard at that time. There were no you know, guidelines on that. It wasn't really a standard practice necessarily to discuss with every patient. And I think the options then were extremely limited. Now in the you know newer era of fertility services, um, egg freezing has come online. And so that's now an option for young women who are diagnosed and an important and significant, I think, really game-changing option. And so through my own experience, I started to network with 
other survivors, people reached out, they heard what I had done and wanted more information. So it started kind of organically in that way for me. And then I ended up, you know, hearing about Fertile Hope and reaching out to the founder, Lindsay Norbeck, who's really a pioneer in this space, and um, ended up working with her for Fertile Hope. And that's really where I've never looked back from that moment um, and just moved forward with this work. In your work advocating in coalition with ASRM and, and with others, what are some of the chief priorities? Yeah, I mean, the advocacy work has really grown over time, I would say. I would most specifically, probably in the past five years, we've really been active in calling for health insurance coverage for fertility services. And we have had the great honor of working very closely hand in hand with ASRM and with um, an organization called Resolve to really lock arms and work together to try to get a broad range of services covered by insurance so that patients have true access. And for our organization, some of that interest grew from just seeing that patients were getting better information The American Society for Clinical Oncology in 2006 did come out with guidelines that said that oncologists and oncology healthcare providers needed to talk to their patients about this issue. So the information side of things, I think, has gotten, you know, considerably better than when I was diagnosed. But what our board of directors, who are researchers and clinicians and reproductive lawyers, what they continued to see and witness and hear were patients now getting information about fertility preservation and the need for it, and then having an inability to actually access those services because of the high cost of treatment without insurance coverage. Insurance being number one, of course, in in so many avenues of of reproductive care. I was also curious about if you had any current challenges or or even, I'll use the word obstacles here, as you work to achieve mandates for fertility preservation coverage, especially now as we are in the the fraught post-Dobbs world. Yeah, I think that's so important. You know, a few years ago when some of this work was getting started and we were kind of making the case and providing information, you know, to policy experts about who needs these services and why and why they should be covered, we always had certain challenges, you know, in terms of cost and pushback from insurance companies and things like that. And those have remained consistent. But as you note, I mean, especially Um, Since last year, since the Dobbs decision, it seems that the political atmosphere around, you know, reproductive rights and reproductive health care in general has just become much more fraught. So that being said, I will say that this year we had some really great successes that in some ways were very surprising for the first time, really, we have seen fertility preservation coverage be passed in states that are deeply, you know, red, considered deep red states such as Texas and Louisiana, Kentucky and Montana. All of those states this year passed some form of fertility preservation coverage by law. 
And so those states, I think, have started to recognize maybe, I mean, this is my my theory on it, that those bills and those coverages were really kind of looked at as pro-family, which is really what we're trying to accomplish. So I don't think they're definitely in direct conflict with all that's gone on and, and kind of the pullback in services that we've seen since Dobbs around abortion. So they've managed, you know, to kind of remain distinct and maybe something positive that legislators can do in those locations to protect their citizens and and guarantee, you know, that they will have some bulk work against, you know, sterility when they're vulnerable with cancer care. But I would say that those bills also and those coverages have been something of a compromise in that those bills have departed from previous bills that covered all standard services um, for fertility preservation that have been identified by ASCO and ASRM, which at this moment in time really include, you know, sperm banking, egg banking, and embryo banking. And so several of those bills do not include embryos. So the coverage only goes to freezing gametes and tissue. And so, you know, that's been a challenge negotiating all of that and positioning these coverages in this atmosphere where reproductive health care is, is being kind of challenged. This is such difficult work. It expends mental energy, physical energy. And I, I'm just curious about what keeps you optimistic and, and really motivated to push on for strong policies and, and and what do you think our listeners should know you know about their role as advocates yeah i mean you're absolutely right there are a lot of highs and a lot of lows and there are states that we had worked in for many years like texas for example and and you know year over year seem to have crushing defeats where you think momentum is with you and and people are moved by the testimony of patients and and by the doctors who, you know, see these patients every day and you think you're close and then, you know, sessions run out or someone blocks it. So I think it's more about just staying steady on the course and and letting advocates know you're going to have those those lows and pushing forward. I would say for me personally, it's been really gratifying, as I said, to to lock arms with other groups and really work to position fertility preservation as a right, as part of, you know, the spectrum, a broad spectrum of reproductive rights. I think fertility care has kind of gotten short shrift and, you know, people think of reproductive rights only in a negative way, meaning about not getting pregnant, about contraception and abortion. And I think over the past few years, we've seen a little bit of a shift in that thinking from a reproductive justice standpoint and thinking about people's ability and right to build a family also as being part of really basic healthcare and a basic human right. And so I think being part of that discussion and putting the really personal stories forward, you know, is what kind of keeps this work going and, and makes it gratifying. 
Absolutely. My guest today has been uh, Joyce Reinecke, Executive Director of the Alliance for Fertility Preservation. Joyce, thank you so much for being able to come on uh, ASRM Policy Matters. Thank you for having me. And I would just encourage everyone to reach out and if they want to get involved. Absolutely. And you can reach out to us. One way to do it is to email us, asrm at asrm.org. If you would, please rate, download, and review the show. Uh, That helps us out in moving forward as well. And uh, until next time, I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and this is ASRM Policy Matters. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.